Well, hey, we're real honored that you guys would be here uh, today and celebrate Easter with us. Come on. We know there's a lot of churches, great, amazing churches in the Metroplex that you could go to. So we're super honored that you would be here today because we're we might be just a little bit biased, but we think our church is the best. So. <laughs> Just a little biased. But uh, hey, we, listen, all of Christianity, all of Christianity hinges on this one reality that Jesus is alive. All of Christianity. If Jesus isn't alive, then, then we need to close our churches, throw away our Bibles, and just go do whatever we want to do and try to figure out life some other way. But all of Christianity hinges on this fact that Jesus is alive. Alive. If someone could prove to us today a body, the, the body of Jesus Christ, if somebody could find that body and show us that body today and, uh, and show us that, then Christianity is a lie. But let me tell you today, there is no body. There's a grave and there's no body in it because Jesus is alive. Listen, and he's not a wounded man on a cross anymore. He's not. I love what uh, what uh, Misty Edwards says. She she says she sings. She says he's not a baby in in a manger anymore. He's not a naked man on a cross. He didn't stay in the grave, and he's not staying in heaven forever. He is coming. He is coming back, and uh, he is alive. And that's what our hope is, and that's what our our faith is in. Is that Jesus is alive, and he's not just alive in some, on some cosmic throne, some for, somewhere far away. He is alive and active and ruling in the hearts and lives of people. And, and, and many of us have experienced that reality. But today I want to talk about life. I want to talk about what does life look like? What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be fully alive? I believe that Jesus offers us a life that, that's... that's uh, normal, that, that's normal, a different kind of normal, that's above the normal that we know. And, uh, you know, most people that we know that we run with, they're alive, right? They're breathing, they're functioning, they're busy. Uh, they have a few events of happiness every once in a while. They have seasons of sorrow. Life is happening. However, life for most people is a grind, isn't it? It's a grind. It's a routine of events interrupted by text messages, interrupted by Candy Crush notifications, right? The ones that you don't want to get. Many of us, we just kind of ride this wave called life, don't we? We just kind of ride the wave. And in fact, it's, it's not even like we're really living life. It's almost like life is living us. Have you ever felt like that? That you don't really feel like that you're even, you have a say in anything. You just kind of feel like life is dictating to you everything. And, uh, but there's got to be more. You know, there's got to be more than what society is telling us. There's got to be more than having a fancier car, right? Or a bigger house or a brighter education or a heftier paycheck. There's got to be more than life because most of us, we've seen some successes in those areas, but we still feel the same. We still function the way that we did before any of that happened. There's got to be more. And today is what that's all about. The more, the abundant, the extra in life. Are you with me? The being fully alive. You know, life is, has an economy to it, right? It's kind of like your, your bank account, right? How many of y'all have a bank account? How many of y'all wish that that bank account had more money in it? Me too. All right. I wish yours did and mine as well. But life has an economy to it, right? It has checks and balances, right? It has deposits and withdrawals. This is the way life is. It has that economy. Uh, some, some people, they save really well. 
Some, they plan for the future and make investment, investments. Just like our bank account, some of us live life paycheck to paycheck. Right? Day to day, paycheck to paycheck, I'll spend what I have, but not anymore. And usually by the end of the day, I feel like I'm in the red. Some live in the red. Some stay in the red, and they never get out. And their whole life, they feel like they're trying to crawl out of this ditch that they've been living in. And they just can't do enough. They can't be enough. They can't get enough Facebook likes. They can't get enough friends. They can't get enough encouragement from the world around them because they've depended upon the world around them to give them this thing called life. So where does life come from? Where do we get life does it come from a series of events that happen in the timeline of, of our 75, 80 years on this planet? Is, 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 is that where life comes from? I believe that life comes from Jesus. And I, I believe that, that Jesus had some things to say about life. Come on. If there's anybody that knows anything about life, it's, it, it's the guy that defeated death. Right? It's the guy that, that died and lives again forever. I mean, you know that there's a man in heaven who is, who is also God, but there is a man in heaven who will live forever yeah. with a physical body. Yeah. Are you with me? A body that will never decay and its back will never hurt, right? And we'll never need reading glasses again. You will get a body like that one day. <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You won't have to watch those five hamburgers. You get to watch those five hamburgers you eat all the way down, right? But never will you have to look in the mirror and regret you ate them. But I believe Jesus, being the author of life, I believe Jesus has some things to say about life. So I want to talk this morning, since I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher, I'm going to give you three things that Jesus said about life. Are you good with that? All right. Number one, Jesus said this, he is the life. The life. He's not a life. He's the life. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says this, I am, better remember that, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You're, you're, you're talking about the resurrection as an, as an event. I am the resurrection. You're talking about life like something you want to experience. I am the life. You want to experience life? Experience me. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to encounter life? You, you want to stop living in the mundane, in the red, in the routine, in the grind? Experience life. Experience Jesus and you experience life. We're all looking for a greater experience, aren't we? I mean, isn't that why we dish out thousands and thousands of dollars every year on entertainment? Right? Because we think we might experience life more. But what we find many times is no matter how much money we shell out, we still feel empty. I, uh, you know, I play these games on, like, my iPad. I don't put them on my phone because I play them too often. So I put them on my iPad where I don't always have it with me, but I always have my phone. And so, and, and, and so every once in a while I get kind of tricked into clicking that buy more lives button or buy more things. Yeah, every once in a while, like, you know, every once in a while, like, you know, every, like, six hours. Uh, just kidding. So every once in a while, I'll, I'll purchase, a you know, a $2 pack of lives or whatever. I have this particular game uh, that I like called Transport Empire, and it's about gold and buying things and building this big empire. And it, no, matter how many, how, no matter how many things that I buy, I still feel like that there's a hole in me 
for that gain. It seems like if I'm going to get further, I've got to buy more. I mean, they got you when the game was free. It's free. I don't, don't believe it. So we, we, we spend our life looking for these experiences that might add to our life. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing the experiences that you have and the, the, the times that we have with our family and, and all these things that really add for great memories. But Jesus isn't wanted, wanting to give you a distant memory. There will be history with him. But he didn't, Jesus didn't do all that he did to give you a, a, a better memory. Jesus came to be relevant to your life today, yesterday, today, and forever. So the, the life that Jesus speaks of is eternal. And he said this later in John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, even if a man dies, even if a person dies, they will live forever. So it's a promise. Jesus is the life. See, life comes first from understanding that life is not valued by the monetary Defined by the temporary or sustained by the ordinary. Let me say that again. Life comes first from understanding that a life is not valued by the monetary. Defined by the temporary or sustained by the ordinary. I don't know about you, but I'm not content with ordinary. I want extraordinary. And this is what Jesus promises us because Jesus was no ordinary man. And if we get him, we get the life that he promises us. He said this in John 14, verse 6. He says, I am, there it is again, the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, postmodernism teaches this. It teaches that Jesus is a way, right? But can I tell you today that if Jesus isn't the way, he's not a way. If he's just a way, then he's just another one of these options that you have to choose from. That was not the claim of Jesus. Jesus said, the gate is narrow. I am the way. I am the way, the only way. I am the truth. I'm not a truth. I'm the truth. The fact that it is the truth is what makes it true. And I am the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, either Jesus was crazy or he was a wretched man for making that claim. Or what he said is true. What will you do? You can study the evidence, by the way, about Jesus and about his claims, and you will find out, you will be on the same side that we are, if you don't believe that. So Jesus talks about knowing the way, embracing the truth, and experiencing the life. So he wants you to know the way, and he wants you to embrace the truth. He is the truth, and experience the life that he is. Second thing that Jesus says is he says that his life is abundant. The abundant in the Greek actually means super abundant. Now, we could have added that adjective and still stayed true to the translations. It says this in John chapter 10, verse 9. He says, I am the door. 
I am the way, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, pasture being provision, resources, the things that you need. The thief comes not to, except for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That you might have life and not just have the life that I am, but that you would have it super abundantly. So many people are just content with where they're at with Jesus. But can I tell you, no matter where you're at with Jesus, there's always more because it's super abundant. It's, it, it's, a, it's a residual increase of his life. It doesn't mean that we won't face hardships. It doesn't mean that our bank account won't be empty sometimes. It doesn't mean that we won't have seasons where we have to trust him because you will. Doesn't mean that you won't have trials because you will. Doesn't mean that you won't have dark hours. You will, but your life will not be dictated by those dark events that happen to you. Your life will be dictated by your relationship with the eternal one that dwells inside of you. His life is abundant. So Jesus on life, he is the life. His life is abundant. And number three, the life he gives overflows. The life he gives overflows. That's what really we're all about here at Overflow Church today. We're all about experiencing that life that Jesus offers in such a way that it pours out of us, that it influences our family, that it influences our neighbors, that it influences our workplace. And why does that happen? Because we're trying real hard or because we're disciplined? No, it just happens because we're really experiencing the life that Jesus gives us. See, you don't really have to try harder. You don't have to work harder to influence those around you. You just have to experience Jesus more. And most of us will spend our lives straining and striving and trying to do more. And Jesus will say, why don't you just come to the well and drink, and I'll put a river inside of you. John chapter 7, verse 38, whoever believes in me, the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So when we drink from Jesus, this is interesting, Jesus runs into a harlot. There's probably another uh, more strong word I could use for that. At, the wa- at a watering hole, right? You guys know the story, John chapter 14, John chapter 4. And Jesus, it, there's this woman there. She's got all these husbands. None of them she's married to. other words, she's a harlot. She's a hooker. And Jesus shows up, this watering hole, and there she is. And she's getting some water for the guy she slept with last night. And Jesus is there. And Jesus didn't go, shame on you. Who do you think you are? And Jesus asked her for a drink. And she's like, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans aren't supposed to talk. He's like, woman, if you knew the gift of God that was talking to you right now. And she's like, what? He's like, tell you what, you drink from this well and you'll never be thirsty again. She's like, where can I get this water? And he said, it's right here. He said, in fact, if you drink from this well, you'll never thirst again. In fact, I'll put a river inside of you, is what Jesus told this woman. And then again says it in John chapter 7. If we drink from him, not only will we not be thirsty, we will have a life that oozes the life of Jesus. That it just pours in and out. Listen, if you're not influencing 
the world around you with Jesus, with the life that Jesus gives, then it's a good indicator that you're not experiencing the life that he has to give you. That'll preach. So, why isn't everybody experiencing this life? Why aren't they experiencing this overabundant life? Why aren't, why aren't people experiencing what you're talking about? Why aren't people influencing the world around them? Why aren't we experiencing? Why isn't everybody, if this is what Jesus did, then why aren't we experiencing it? Can I, can I tell you this? The reason why we're not experiencing the life that we just talked about is because we are living independently and far away from the watering hole. We're living far away from God. Isaiah 59.2 says this, this is, says your sin has separated you from God. Your sin has cut you off from God. There is a, a barrier, a distance between you and God. And what put it there was sin. God didn't put the barrier there. He wanted to be close to you. But you chose to say, I don't need you, God. I'll live over here. And so we go, I want to get life here, and 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 I want to do this and that and that and that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And God's saying, if you come to me, life will pour out of you. But not to communicate to anybody on that side of the room. <laughs> right? I'll come over here next time. So the problem, the cutoff is sin. Right? So sin's the problem. Can I tell you this morning, sin is the problem. But sin is not the problem. Because in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We're in the middle of a series here at Overflow called The Good Shepherd, and we're talking about sheep and the vulnerability of sheep and the stupidity of sheep and all of the issues that come along with being a sheep and a, and, and a sheep's only chance and experiencing the best life for a sheep is to have a good shepherd. It's totally contingent upon his ability to follow a shepherd. But many times, sheeps wander off, and they get eaten by wolves, or they get what's called downcast, or they end up on a cliff somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and they can't survive. So the only hope for a sheep is always the shepherd. That's why Jesus came when we talked about in John chapter 10. He said, I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm coming to rescue you. I'm coming to take care of you. And it says this, that we all, just like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, who? Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. All of our mistakes, all of our rebellion, all of our independence living away from God, he took that and put it on Jesus so that we don't have to pay for the sins that we've committed. Can I tell you this morning, no matter what you've done that you regret, no matter the shame that you experience for stupid things that you've done, and we've all done stupid things, God can take it away. And you will not have to bear the punishment for it. Jesus already did. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the only perfect man the world has ever known, stood a criminal's trial. An innocent man judged for the crimes of humanity. Jesus endured a brutal flogging in which a third of his body was shred to the bone. Jesus, God in the flesh, humiliated by his own creation, crowned with toxic thorns, beaten beyond recognition, and ridiculed by public nakedness. He carried the weight of punishment intended for the vilest of sinners. Jesus, the Messiah, beaten and humiliated by the world he came for. 
the slaughtered lamb, compassionate for the hands that drove the nails through his hands and feet. Jesus managed several choice words as as suffocation sets in on on a blood-drenched cross. Words that history hinges upon. Words that when trusted, they become the most significant to our core. They were words of forgiveness. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. Their words of completion and redemption, it is finished. All powerful words. But can I tell you, the most hope-filled words that were ever spoken were not from Jesus on a cross that day, although they were great and they impact our history incredibly. The words that were, the most powerful words that were ever spoken is three days later by a couple of angels to a to several women disciples of Jesus who come to clean a dead body. And when they show up, the tomb is empty, and there's angels standing there. And they say the most significant words in human history is this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. So Jesus didn't just take care of your sin. He came to give you life. He came to defeat death. Oh, death! Where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? It has no hold on me because I've put my hope in Jesus. He is alive and he has defeated hell, death, and the grave. I love 2 Timothy. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated. Life vindicated in a steady blaze of light. All through the work of of Jesus. Jesus didn't pay that price for you just so you could come to church on Sundays. Although that's a great practice. Some of you need to be in church more, right? Jesus didn't just come for that. Jesus didn't just come so you could sing a, a, a song about it. Although we'll sing songs, they're great. But Jesus came to rescue you. Jesus came to give you life. I love Isaiah 25, 8. It says this, he will swallow death forever. He will swallow death forever. Death will have no hold. Even though a man dies, he will live. Even though one day you're going to (laughs) die. That's an evangelism tactic. You're going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to get old and we're all going to like, our bodies are going to hurt more than they hurt right now. We're all going to lose hair. Our bones are going to break. We are all, there's nothing you can do. We've been, we've been trying to do it for millennials, trying to figure out how to live longer. There's nothing you can do to deal with the death of your physical body. It will die. But Jesus has come to give you a permanent residence. And it's not just in heaven, but it's in a life that's found in him the moment you receive him. Jesus defeated the sting of death. We do all we can to try to, Stay alive on this earth, don't we? Had to look a little better. Come on. I know I do. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you going to work on that. <laughs> Working on it. Listen, Jesus not only defeated death, he also defeated everything in your life that will rob you of life. 
Everything that would come against you to try to rob you, to try to discourage you, to try to frustrate you, anything that would bring the tension to this thing called life, Jesus come to deal with it. And can I tell you that Jesus did deal with it. He dealt with it. So, I, lo- I love this. John 8, 24, because we've, we've talked about sin. We've talked about that separating element. And Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 24. He says, unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sin. You'll die separated from God, lacking the life that he has promised. But if you believe, you'll live forever. And not only will you live forever, but you'll receive the life that God has provided for you through Jesus. So today I got two questions as we're closing up this morning that I want to pose to you. And one of them is taken from Matthew chapter 16, where Peter, you guys know who Peter is in Scripture, big mouth Peter who's always saying something stupid. How many of you have, I don't know about, I, I think every person I've talked to could relate to Peter, right? He's always saying the wrong, wrong thing at the wrong time, not, not the right thing at the wrong time, the wrong thing at the wrong time. Just always, Right? That's me. Like, I'm always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I, in fact, I, got, it's, I, I rarely find myself saying the right thing at the right time. Sometimes I only say the right, t- right thing at the wrong time, right? <laughs> so here's Peter, right? He's, he's, he's screwed up just like we are. And, he, and, and, he, and Jesus comes to him and he says, hey, Peter. He says, who do you say I am? And he said, well, let, let me tell you what, Jesus. This is what everybody's saying. Everybody's saying that you might be Elijah or one of the prophets. They're saying that you're like this great moral teacher. They're saying that you're just another great philosopher. They're, all these people have, have kind of their minds made up about you. And, and Jesus looks in the eyes of Peter in Matthew 16 and he says this, but Peter, how about you? Who do you say that I am? And I believe that Jesus is asking that question to you today. Who do you say that he is? Is he a philosophy? Is he a mindset? Or is he exactly who he says he is? The way, the truth, and the life. Is he really the king of heaven and earth? Is he the life giver? Who do you say he is? And I believe today you can respond to him like Peter did. Either you can respond to him with the testimony of others what my mom and dad always said, the pastor says, the Bible teacher on the radio says, the preacher on TV says, no, 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 no. Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? It's not about the personal, it's not about the testimony of others, but about the personal revelation that we have with Jesus. The second question I want to pose to you today is, what do you need? I know, a million dollars, me too. But what do you need? I need hope. I need encouragement. I need And this is the response that Jesus offers. I am. Now, every time Jesus says that, he was saying that he was the eternal one. In Scripture, we see that God's saying that, who are you? What's your name? What should I call you? I am. 
So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he says, I am, I am, I am. So you need encouragement. I am joy. You need less frustration. I am peace. You need freedom from your sin, from your addiction. I am the life. Whatever you need is not just a thing that he can fix. What you need is a man, the I am. You need the great I am to say, I am healing. I am peace. I am joy. Everything we need is found in the man Jesus. Now this morning we talked a little bit about sin. We don't talk much about sin in church anymore. But the reality is this, is we all sin. Right? We all screw up. We all blow it. We all miss the mark. But Jesus has offered a way out of sin. He's offered a way that we could get connected with God, even if we have sinned. That's what we said earlier. Sin is a problem, but it's not a problem. The only problem is whenever we reject the solution. And the solution is I am. The solution is Jesus. Are you anxious? I am peace. Are you sick, diseased? I am healing. All that you need is found in a man.